Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, good morning, church. Today we conclude on our series 10, Perfect Law, Perfect Love. Can you just go ahead and put up our series goal? So far we've been going on this for, this is the 10th week, and you've probably been seeing this weekend and then week out, so let's just read it one more time. This is the goal why we're doing this series. At the end of this series, we will have a better picture of God's love for us as expressed in the giving of His commandments, which results in life as He originally intended as we learn to love and obey Him. Let's just go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for, for just that, Father, that in everything that you have done for us and in everything that you would do for us, it is always for our benefit and it is always because of your love for us. So, Father, in these 10 weeks, as we conclude today, I pray that you would remind us of the things that we have heard, of the things that we have written down, of the things that have spoken to us as we end this series. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're on week 10. We are on the 10th commandment. I'm not going to ask anybody to, uh, to say all the 10. Uh, I, I'm believing that we, we know what it is. So let's just go ahead and I'll put out Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, the 10th commandment. So this is the 10th commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Before we get into this, I want to first look at the word covet. What does it really mean to covet? So what does it really mean? To covet is to have a strong desire or to wish with earnest, with eagerness. It is a desire to obtain or to have. That's what covet means. Along with that, there is also other characteristics about coveting. Individually, it is a reflection of your value system. What does that mean? We covet what we believe or what we see to be valuable. Nobody would ever covet trash, right? If we look at objects or materials and we see that it is of low value, I'm pretty sure we would not covet or we would not have a strong desire to have it. Would you agree? But when we see something, whether it's an object or material-wise, we see it and we see it and we perceive it to be valuable, that's when the desire begins. We have a strong desire to gain because it is so valuable on the way we looked at it. That's one of the characteristics about coveting. Another one is that because it is based on our perceptive of our value, we will sacrifice all, in fact, everything to gain what we believe to be valuable. And in doing that, sometimes what we would also do is that we would sacrifice something that we believe to be less valuable for something that is more valuable. Would you agree? For those of you who loves to run, how many of you have, uh, have sacrificed your time, your sweat, your blood? I guess we can say that, right? Sweat, blood, and tears have gone into it. But you did all of that because you believe that whatever your goal is in running is more valuable than all of that. Isn't it? So that's what coveting is all about. It is a strong desire, a desire so strong that you would do everything, everything, almost everything. 
So the question now is, so is coveting in itself bad? Are all coveting bad? Well, no. Coveting is just the motivation. It is a strong desire. But because of that strong desire to obtain or to possess, it can lead to things that are bad. If left unchecked, it is very unhealthy, and it can be very destructive. It can destroy families, it can destroy your own life, it can destroy relationships. So in itself alone, since it's only a desire, no, coveting is not bad at all. There is a negative side to coveting, and there is a positive side to coveting. But then what is it that the Lord in the Ten Commandments forbids then? The Ten Commandments, going back to Exodus chapter 20, verse 17 first. So it says that you shall not covet. You shall not have a strong desire to obtain your neighbor's house. You shall not have a strong desire to obtain your neighbor's wife. You shall not have a strong desire to obtain your, your servants or your, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. This is the type of coveting that God was forbidding. See, one thing about the Ten Commandments is, as we have gone through all the ten, this is the last one, the first nine is easy to identify if you have violated it. Isn't it not? You would know if a person does not honor their parent. You can see that easily. You know if a person has stolen. You can see that easily. If a person has murdered. But yet, the Ten Commandments, since it is an attitude of the heart, it is not easily seen. Nobody really sees your heart except one who is God himself. It is an attitude of the heart. It's, a, it, it's an inner desire to gain. So now, one of the ways, uh, one of the methods that I use when I, when I study the Bible is really just asking the H, the what, the when, the where. And when you do that, you will see that God really is very specific with this commandment. It really talks about your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, donkeys, all of that. Very specific. So if we were to, to take a look at that, we would take Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, then we would realize what God was really intending when he gave this commandment. So going back, Exodus chapter 20, if you would just, uh, I'll take you back along to Exodus chapter 20. What's going on at, when God gave the Ten Commandments? Uh, uh, as we know, hopefully we already know, right? The Ten Commandments was given at Mount Sinai. Who was it given to? It was given to the nation of Israel or the children of Israel. It was given to them about three months after they have left Egypt as slaves. Okay? They were slaves in Egypt for more than 400 years. They came out. They are now in the desert for about three months. Then God gave them the Ten Commandments. Okay, picture with me. You're a slave. Being a slave, do you possess anything? No, except the golds and the silvers that they got as back payment. So can you imagine, as an Israelite, hearing this? You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Wait a minute, Lord, we're in the desert. I have a tent. I don't have a house. But where were they heading to? So in a way, it's almost like it's a futuristic command for them. But where were they heading to? They were heading to a land that was promised to them as an inheritance. How the Bible describes it as a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, it's an inheritance. Another question. Do you work for your inheritance? 
No. Do you pay for your inheritance? No. How do you get your inheritance? It is given to you. In the natural, an inheritance is usually given by your parents or your grandparents, isn't it not? In the book of Numbers, Moses numbered the nation, meaning numbered, meaning it was, they counted them by tribes. After they were counted by tribes, they were counted by family members. After they were counted by family members, they were counted among the siblings. And the reason for that was that, so they would know how to divide the inheritance. So that when they get into the promised land, it would be divided equally, righteously, and justly. And who does the dividing? Of course, God himself divided the land. Are you still with me? So 39 years later, they finally get into the land, and now Joshua was the one who actually divided the land. Now going back to the Ten Commandment, now you, can, now you get the idea. The Ten Commandment told us, or told them, well, told us, told them, that you shall not have a strong desire to gain or to possess your neighbor's house. Why? Because your neighbor's house is attached to his property. Isn't it not? Unless you live in a trailer house, you can move your house around. But if you have built your house, your house is attached to your what? To your property. You cannot move a house. Well, in the Philippines, we can Okay, we, can, we, we literally can move a house. I've done it in the, when I was in high school. We literally picked up a house and moved it. But in the context of this, you do not move a house. You do not separate the house from the property. So really, what God was saying is, you shall not have a strong desire to have or to possess your neighbor's property. Why? Because that property was given by me. That, I believe, church, is really the first intention why God said, do not have a strong desire to have it. Because it is a direct insult to God for you to say, I think, Lord, I like his house better. I like his property better. Remember, as an Israelite, you yourself had your own property. And I believe that's why God said, no, do not ever, because it is a direct insult to me that what I have given you you think that it is not enough, nor it's not good enough. Amen? Church, I believe that is the first original uh, application when God gave them the Ten Commandments. Then, then you might be wondering, then why is the wipes included? And then the rest are materials. Some had said that the, the intention why in the Ten Commandments the neighbor's wife was included was not necessarily sexually. Or meaning it's because you're, you're coveting your wife sexually or your neighbor's wife sexually, but really more economically. Because the wife was also a means to gain income or to gain, uh, uh, what did they call it? Well, they do have money back then. But she is a means for economic gain. So, and that's why it's a servant, servants, donkeys, ox, and anything, anything, objects that belongs to your neighbors, you shall not covet. So, but now the question again is, then how does this apply to us? See, one of the things that Paul talks about the law is that it is beneath, or really it is only a shadow of the greater things to come. We are living on that era where we are, the, the, because Jesus came, he was the greater things that, that has come. 
we're actually living in a higher and more pristine standard than the law. See, God was so specific. He said, do not covet what your neighbor's property is because it was given to me or it was given to me because I gave it to them. You have your own property. You didn't work for it. You didn't, uh, you didn't uh, buy it. When you went into the promised land, the cities was already there. The house was already there. The wells was already there. The vineyards were already there. So, in, so that's what God was saying. Do not covet it. So how does this apply to us? Well, I believe the Ten Commandments apply to us as a guidelines now. And when I say guidelines, I hope you don't say, oh, no, we're actually, like what I said, we're actually in a higher standard. As born-again Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a higher pristine standard than just the, the Ten Commandments. So what do I mean? The coveting that God forbids or, or condemns in the Ten Commandments is really here. It is these guidelines. Like what I said, coveting in itself is not bad. But how do we know if, we're, if our coveting is bad? Well, I'll give you three. If your coveting leads you to, to a willingness to gain something at the expense of other, then that should be a sign that it's wrong or it's bad. What do I mean by that? In 2009, as uh, of those of you who were aware, the stock market crashed, correct? Many of those who were part of that big scheme, when they were interviewed, most of them would say, what I did was not unlawful. It was unethical, but it was not unlawful can you imagine that so they said that they did not break the law it was unethical but we did not break any law so we as believers are actually on a higher standard take for example promotions or positions who does not love to be promoted or have a great position when we strive to get a position i believe the right thing to do is work hard come in on time Get out, of the, get out of the office on time, do everything 110%, and just let the Lord or let your, your immediate supervisor or your immediate boss see that in you. And that would hopefully eventually get you promoted, right? But some people would believe that, no, the best way to get promoted is connect to the right relationship, which means that if you can correct, connect to the right relationship, you have a greater chance of getting promoted. But sometimes when we connect to the right relationship, we also break other relationship. And this is where sometimes the covenant number nine, slandering, happens. We make ourselves look good while we make the competition look bad. But yet the goal is positions. See, one, the coveting in itself, there's nothing wrong of coveting a great position and a great promotion. But yet, because it becomes dangerous is that you either do it the right way, positively, or you can do it in a negative way. So how do you know if you're doing it the negative way? Well, if you feel like you want to gain, you have a, such a desire to gain at the expense of others, then you're doing it the wrong way. Amen? Another thing about the Ten Commandments is this. When it leads you to have this willingness to gain by unlawful manner, it is definitely wrong. Okay? The first one is actually higher than the second one. 
if you're stepping over people and you still think that it's not, you're not breaking any law, then it's definitely wrong. So the second one is the coveting that the Ten Commandments condemns is when you feel like or when you have this desire and you're willing to gain it by unlawful manner. That is just definitely wrong. I don't know if, if there, that really needs any explanation. No, right? I think everybody knows that. When you break the law to gain something, it is just definitely wrong. The first one might be a little bit sketchy and said, I don't think I'm breaking any law. But if you're doing it at the expense of other people, then God holds us in a higher standard. Amen? The third guidelines that I believe that, that, that is in the principle of the Ten Commandments is this. When you have such a strong desire and it's leading you to have this willingness to commit offense against your neighbor, then you are definitely doing it the wrong way. Amen? One of the, uh, I hate to use David one more time, but really, uh, when I get to heaven, I'll just apologize to him. I'm sorry for using you one too many times. David might have been, uh, for lack of a better word, great example for, for breaking all of this. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> for the, but since most people already know the story of David, David was a king of Israel after Saul. Being a king, he had all the power to obtain what he wanted. He was at the peace time. There was no war going on when he became, after, after a while when he became a king, there was no war going on. So being at peace, being able to obtain anything that he, had, that he would ever need or want, David have, could have done it so easily. But yet, one instant, he looked over his balcony, saw a woman bathing, didn't stop there, inquire about the woman. After inquiring about the woman, found out that she is no longer available lawfully. But he continued on. Then uh, uh, Bathsheba was with child. He conspired to hide it. And in so doing, afterwards, he conspired to even kill the husband, which is Uriah, who happened to be one of his mighty men. So, number three, willingness to commit offense against your neighbor. That's desire so strong for David that he eventually he broke all three of this. He was willing to do it, to gain all everything that he coveted, that he was willing to, to gain it at the expense of another person. He was willing to, to gain it by unlawful manner, and he was willing to commit offense against his neighbor. And then at the end of it all, which was so interesting, was that in Samuel, when God confronted him, God said, did I not give you your master's house, your master's wife, the whole nation? If that was not enough, or if that was too little, I would have given you much more. The heart of God for David was that if you would only ask me, David, I would have given it to you. So that is really the negative side of coveting, and that really is the coveting that the Ten Commandments forbids or condemns us. Now let's look on a positive side. Since I said earlier that not all coveting is bad, there's actually a couple of things that the Bible encourages us to covet. One of them is the spiritual gifts. And this is the kind of coveting that is positive. Remember, the characteristics of coveting is that you would sacrifice everything. Everything to gain what you believe to be 
most valuable. So Paul, Paul encourages the church in Corinthians to do this, but earnestly desire, that earnestly desire is to covet the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. So the Bible encourages us to eagerly desire spiritual gift. Another thing that the Bible encourages us to covet is wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, this is what it says. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all your getting, in all your getting, means in all your getting, if getting is what you want to do, if uh, possession and we want to obtain, in all your getting, it says get understanding, get wisdom. See, church, coveting in itself was not wrong, but it's really when you... It's the object and the means that you push through on how to get it is what the Ten Commandments really condemns. Now, a good question is, so what happens now? What do I do? What if I, when I find myself doing this, when I find myself coveting all the time, what really is the solution? I think the book of James offers us a very simple and straightforward answer or solution on how we can take care of this. In James chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, James talk about, he, he sums it up. He says, where do wars and fight comes from, or fight come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your member? So James puts it up in a summary. Where does all this fighting, where does all this war come from? What is the source of all of this? It's that inner desire. And he said, you lust and you do not have, you murder and you covet and cannot obtain. And that's what you do because in your desiring for flesher, you covet, you murder, you fight and you war. Yet, he said, you do not have because you do not ask. Could it be that simple? Could it be that simple that God's solution so that you would stop coveting is just simply ask of me? Well, he told David about it. He said, if it was still too little, I would have given you much more. Could it be that in all our coveting, in all our desiring, remember I said, coveting in itself is not bad. We can think of uh, many more ways that we can covet. Coveting is almost synonymous to goal setting. When you set a goal, I mentioned earlier that a lot of you run, isn't it not? A lot of you have run marathon, but nobody in his right mind will, would run a marathon the next day when, upon deciding, you know what, I'm going to run a marathon next week. Nobody in their right mind would do that. It takes training. So if you covet running the marathon, what do you do? You would sacrifice everything else that you think is of less value so that you could attain that. See, there's a positive side of coveting so going back to james so so he gives us a very almost so simple solution so that we would stop coveting simply ask god it says you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss so like it's simple but then why would you say then why would james say but you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasure. The word amiss is to ask inappropriately, to ask out of place, to ask wrongly. So, yes, it looks simple that the solution so that we would stop coveting is to ask God, but yet it seems like then, how do I know that I do not miss 
did I ask appropriately or I asked with the right motives? Well, James also talks about that. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And church, this is the attitude of God. It says, Who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, it seems like so very far. We're talking about coveting, and now here I am on wisdom. How is coveting, regard, how is coveting associated with wisdom? Well, James approached it in a way that for you to stop coveting, a simple, uh, a simple solution is ask God. When you desire something so much, why don't you approach it where you ask God first instead of trying to obtain it in means that you know of? And that's what he was uh, talking about in James chapter 4, uh, 1 to 3. But then he said, how would we know if we're really asking correctly? Well, James says, ask for wisdom. Why wisdom? Because wisdom will give you this. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. One of the greatest difficulty we have as Christians is not really knowing God truly. We've always quoted the words from Isaiah where we say, his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. And probably you've uh, quoted that so many times, but yet we stop there. We stop in really asking, Lord, show me who you are. Show me what it is that you really want. One of the greatest requests I believe that we can make of God is a request that Moses made. Which, is, which you will find in Exodus chapter 33, where he said, Lord, if I have truly found favor in your sight, show me now your way. Not direction way, but it's really the word way is show me who you are. Show me what, what, makes you, what pleases you. Show me what does not please you. Show me what, what gives you a pleasure. Show, that's what Moses was asking. That's what the request that Moses asked. Show me who you are. Because when you know what God is about, it is easy to make a request to him. That really is why I said wisdom. That's why God, James said, ask for wisdom. Because when you have the knowledge of God, it is easier to ask when you know the person that you're asking from. Many a times we, uh, we, hit, we, we ask, and, we, and the way he said it is, uh, you ask amiss. Is because we really do not truly have the knowledge of who our God is. Amen? And when we do not have, that's what James was asking. You don't have because you don't ask. And when you don't have, you covet. You murder, you war, you fight. So James gives us a very straightforward solution. In your coveting, before you even start coveting, and, and like what I said, coveting in itself is not bad. But why don't we try it this way? Why don't we, before we even have such a strong desire to obtain or possess, why don't we ask God first for a wisdom, a knowledge of who He is? He promised it that from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. James 1.5 said He will give it to you liberally, liberally, which is generously and without any blame, without any reproach. Amen? Does that bless you, church? So in, uh, in conclusion, now this is a, this is a 10 weeks, a 10 week, um, 10 weeks, 10 week series, and I was just thinking about it. So what, 
if I were to put a conclusion in this, in all 10 weeks, what can it be? And I came up with this. When the Lord is the greatest good and most valued in your life, we would covet to know Him more, to fellowship with Him, and enjoy Him. That in itself, I, I believe, church, would allow us to walk and not disobey the Ten Commandments, since that is our goal, just seeing Him. Amen? Let us pray. If you find yourself today in that situation where, you know, the media today will bombard you with all kinds of marketing. You got Facebook, you got, uh, you got Facebook where every, I mean, just looking through Facebook, your friends would always post something and then it would say, oh, I need this. Oh, I want this. Church, those are really a form of coveting. We may not realize it and like what I said earlier, it is an attitude of the heart where we sometimes cannot pinpoint it. It's only God himself that really sees it. And if you find yourself today in that place, I hope that that solution that I offered you will work for you. And I hope that you would actually uh, embrace it. But I just want to pray for us. Father, thank you for this series. Thank you that, that as we have learned, as we went back to the original intention on why you gave us the Ten Commandments. I pray, Father, that as, as a people, as a, as a church, that we, we have seen you and we will continually see you, that your intention was to love us, your intention was to, to give us a benefit of all of this. And Father, I pray right now that if we are in this situation, that every little thing makes us emotionally attach or we desire it so much i just pray father that we would give us the wisdom to control ourselves wisdom to know you and to ask in a proper manner so father i pray for us as a church i pray for us as a people and i pray oh lord that we would walk in wisdom on how to deal with people and how to deal with the mark on just how we are bombarded with material, uh, material desires. Another thing that I want to pray for is if you're here today and whether you've been coming or you're, you're, you're visiting and you... As we're talking about how uh, even how uh, James, our MC this morning, talks about how Jesus came to die for all of us and that all that God asks of us is that if you would call upon me then I will let and I, then you can have this life abundantly that he has already died for the things that we're trying to get I just want to give this opportunity if you're here today and you've never had this chance or never had an opportunity to, to really surrender your life to God and really just ask or just confess that, Lord, I need you. I want to give that opportunity to you. While everybody else, just bow your heads and close your eyes. If there's any of us here today and you want to give that a chance, you want to have an opportunity to really call upon the Lord, I will pray for you. I will pray with you. And it's a simple prayer, but I just want to know who I, how, who I would be praying for. So if, that, if, uh, if that's you, I want to pray with you, but I also want to know who you are. So if 
while everybody else have their eyes closed and their heads bow, if that's you and you want to make today a day where you give your life to God, give your life to Christ, if you can just simply raise your hand and look at me and so that I would know that I'll be praying for you. Is there anybody? As James, our MC earlier, has already mentioned, in John 10.10, God says that I have come to give, you more, uh, uh, to give you life and to have it more abundantly. The very name of our church is Life in the Sun. And that really is the life that God wants to give to us. A life that really is abundant. More joy, more peace. And it all begins by really just receiving Him as the Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He, that he had died for you, it says, the Bible says that you will be saved. Salvation will come to you. I want to pray with you. You can just follow along and the rest of the people can also pray. Lord Jesus... I thank you for what you did on the cross. I receive the forgiveness of my sin and I declare to you today as my Lord and my Savior. Change me. Give me that life that you have promised. In Jesus' name, amen.